the first edition of the Batalbot Sports Podcast with me, Ford Cooksley, and to my right, Josh Torbin. How are you, Josh? Evening, Ford. How's it going? I'm uh, I'm good, but how's, uh, how's lockdown been? Yeah, all right. I've got a bit of uh, weight on, but... Uh, I, I didn't like to say anything, Ford, but uh, glad you brought it up. Yeah, I, people are asking me if I'm wearing skin-tight t-shirts these days because of the drum, but um, we're trying to lose a bit of weight, so... Um, we're in partnership with Shiny Vinyl Promotions, a local promotion company helping unsigned talent uh, in the music industry and trying to drive on the music business in Patalba and the surrounding area. So thank you to them. Um, each week we'll be talking about uh, different sports in the local area in Patalbot. Um Anyone who's got any stories, any projects, uh, please get in touch with us. We've had a couple so far, which we'll, we'll be uh, broadcasting in a couple of weeks, which is great. Um, and one addition is, Josh, we have a beer of the week every week. So what have we got, Josh, this week? We do, Ford. So, uh, so this week's beer of the week. So we're going to fly over to Munich. And we're going to have a lovely German beer. So we're going for the Oedinger beer. Is there a reason for that, mate? Uh, There is a special reason for that, Ford. Yeah, I just thought, because there's, you know, many, many Liverpool fans listening to this, including myself. I thought we'd just celebrate with a beer that's currently endorsed by Liverpool's Jurgen Klopp. So so that's basically the reason for it. If there's any hate, you know, there's a block button. There's a, a, you know, a message by you can send a load of abuse. So So about 70% of our listeners have just turned off straight away. So great start to the pod anyway. I mean, it's a cracking start. I tell you what's even a better start is this herd that goes out to stock in Morrison's at the minute. So, yeah, the basic idea is... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, hang on, we got a beer of the week without the actual beer. Yeah, exactly. But it's that good, it's already sold out. So, I mean, it's selling itself already. But, oh, some fun facts about Erdinger. Come on, then. It's 5.3%, so it's a wild beast. So Not... you'll have two, will you, and uh, Ed? That's, 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 probably, that's probably being very kind. Yeah, there's probably one and a half. Um, price-wise, though, it's currently three. It's a bit on the pricey side, but I thought, why not treat ourselves for the first podcast? And yeah, Ford, yeah. if you can't treat yourself, mate, yeah, you can't true, treat. Um, it's brewed in Erding, obviously. Germany is best known for its wheat beer. Erdinger is the world's largest wheat beer brewery. It was founded by Jonah Kindly in 1866. Legend. No Jonah very well. Massive legend of that part of the world. Yeah. But that was beer of the week, but we haven't got that beer of the week. So in Morrison's, I went on a bit of a panic buy. Um, I tried to be a bit out there and edgy and got some Barry Island IPA. So um, are we going to crack one of these open now, Josh? Uh, we are, mate. It's, uh, they've advertised themselves as being fresh, hoppy and tidy. Mm, Barry Island IPA. Shout out to Lewis Jones, who works there. It's, uh, it's currently 5%. It's a craft beer from Brains, actually. So mm, let's have a try of it. It's then. an American style. We'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll cheers to that, and then we'll get going. Cheers, Josh. Cheers, Ford. Oh. Oh, oh Jesus Christ, that is awful, isn't it? Oh, that's not great. Um, um, right, so be the week has been a bit of a fail to start off with, but oh, the only way is up. The only way is up, Josh. And that's what we're going to do on this pod. The only way is up. We're going to celebrate um, sports in Batalbot and the surrounding areas, so... <laughs> 
Pod is um, aimed at looking at sporting with all but and promoting from within. So, as it is the summer, we're going to start with cricket. So, Josh, how's your summer been so far, cricket, mate? It's been very wet, mate, and dreadful, personally. The form is, uh, has hit a rough patch, but I think, you know, let's just blame it on COVID, isn't it? Yeah, I let's think, blame it. I think we can blame most of the stuff that's going on at the minute on COVID, so... Just go there, Yeah, we blame it all on COVID. It's 2020's gone to shop, mate. Um, we're gonna, before we delve into cricket specifically, we're going to look at how um, sport has affected, uh, how sport has been affected by lockdown. So, Josh, what's your thoughts? Has it been madly affected? or? Oh, I think, you know, I know this, uh, our first pod year is about cricket, but I think if you're talking about the effects of COVID, on sport as a whole, we definitely need to delve in, in, you know, into the other sports, um, you know, not just the mainstream ones like football and, and rugby, but I think we're delving further into, I tell you what, not so much even the golf. The golf has been probably the only sport that's cracked on, um, but, you know, your racket sports and, uh, and, and things like that, but it's definitely had a huge effect. I think um, in terms of encouraging more youngsters on the grassroots and juniors, that's probably not been as it should have. Um, because of COVID, obviously the restrictions, and even at a senior level, the football rugby has uh, you know stopped. And as far as I know, they haven't been given a start did yet, apart from the Welsh Premier League. Um, but as we touch upon, you know those leagues, the Talbot League, things that haven't been given a date. I know they're all training, but I think until you get that started, it hasn't. You know, I think what we've seen from cricket, unless you're giving that competitive fixture list, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... Obviously, so everything's been hit, uh, especially rugby, no contact. And um, I don't know, it could turn away people, but it could have, on the flip side, it could have a good effect for people who were uh, looking to finish now. They've had a good rest, good recovery, and do we have a better standard of more players interested? Um, we did do a poll this week asking if there's an appetite for cricket in uh, Neath Talbot area, and 68% of you said yes. So, obviously, there is an appetite there. Um, what do you think the effect could be obviously with 2019 last year with the Ashes and the World Cup um, do you think we could be affected by that? Yeah I think you know, just to go back what we touched on there around the effects uh, you know, we've always mentioned the effects on the pitch and junior sections but I think financially it's going to hit a lot of local clubs hard as well um, you know, speaking from our point of view at the moment with the Tottenham Cricket Club we're very lucky that we've got a popular functioning bar that does generate revenue for us to you know carry on into next season, but you know there's a lot of um, local clubs that are going to struggle. They've still got outgoings. Everyone's still trying to pay bills and without much coming in at the moment. But I think that's going to be the major effect. But touching on your last point forward around um, how this has affected going forward into next year, I think I think you've only got to you know you've got to look at 2005 Ashes um, on a cricket set you know cricket point of view that created such a buzz. Um, low, you know, not locally, you know, nationally, I think, but um, that Ashes series really captured the imagination of the public and a lot more kids, a lot more children, probably including ourselves, um, if you we weren't yeah, already involved, 100%. Um, got stuck into cricket. And I think the club at the moment, and probably a few clubs around this area, are probably reaping the, you know, reaping the rewards from that, where a lot of the uh, mainstays of the first and second team are all around the same age would have come from that 2005 boom. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, looking back to last summer with the Ashes and that Ben Stokes knock, and then England going on to win the World Cup in the same summer, 
I think that boom was going to be expected this year. And you know, with COVID, I think we're not going to know if that, uh, if you want to call it a generation, call it a generation, we're not going to know if that's going to be lost now until next year when hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, that it'll be a bit more back to normal, that you know, we may not see the numbers we expected because that momentum might have been lost now due to COVID. Yeah, that's a fair point. We spoke to um, Bagland Cricket Club about this, and obviously they've struggled uh, over COVID. And they had the All Stars program with the kids, which is a really, really good program that had to be cancelled due to um, all this malarkey. Um, but when you when you in lockdown, you still have uh, bills to pay, outgoings like you've mentioned, Josh, or maintenance. They got to look after the pitch, and obviously not having any support from the council or any grant. So. Clubs do really rely on their income from uh, the bar and from playing, really, and it's going to be a real struggle for clubs, but hopefully we'll have a good rise out of it. Um, I know Margam with John Wellington are doing a good job down there, and obviously the Scout as well are doing a good job, and hopefully they can all um, rise from, from this COVID lockdown. I know it's been tough, but hopefully we can uh, see us positive at the end of it and hopefully 2021 will be better as a as a player oh I, I definitely think so I mean you know not to sound completely negative about what we said about you know Covid having such a bad effect on numbers and um, money coming to clubs I think you know let's put a positive spin on this I think there's a saying isn't it you don't know what you've got until it's, until it's gone sort of thing yeah. um, I think across all sports not just cricket or football rugby I think there's a lot of you know boys finish and maybe finish a bit too early. I know the older you get, the more commitments you've got and priorities change and it is easy to drift out of sports. But I think maybe what this has shown has been a type of reflection for everyone, I think, a reflection yeah. of clubs, have a look what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. But it also might turn the tables on people coming back into the sports. Um, so you're not just relying on the youngsters coming through then. You can have you know, some senior heads coming through, some old heads coming through, which you need in, in, in you know, especially amateur club sport, you need those old heads to drag the youngsters through. Um, you know, but I, I've got a suspicion we might see um, a boom in participation, not just from young, uh, not, you know, not just from juniors and youngsters, but I think we'll get a lot more boys that finish too early coming back, playing more. And, you know, I really do hope the clubs are in the area in all the sports, you know, um, you know, profit from that. Um, I think it can't be the experience either. It's brilliant having juniors through, but if you haven't got those old legs there to bring them through, it's, um, it's an ongoing. Yeah, and exactly as we've seen over um, the excitement, I think, for sport in Patalba, uh, the Patalba League in football is had three new brand, brand new sides. Like, that's that could only be a good thing. I think the excitement around Twitter. Um, Especially St. George's Old Boys and Avenue United have been outstanding. Uh, the Margam Stags as well, or Rangers, whatever they are. Um, but, you know, I think I'm hoping that we get a good uh, vibe out of it. The, the appetite is there, obviously, so hoping that we can have positives from it. Um, moving on then, so we talked about local clubs. Josh, you started when the Patalba were in the South Wales Cricket Association. Can you give us? Uh, just a bit of explanation how, how tough that was how good it was yeah I think uh, South Wales Cricket Association League obviously was you know the main league before the Premier League came in so I made my debut when I was 16 15-16 I think um, I just remember it being really tough hard cricket to be honest um, 
I think if you want to go into standard of cricket, maybe you know, first couple of years in the Premier League were better. The last couple of years, I think, have probably been on par. I think the biggest difference for me, uh, Ford, to be honest, was that Southwest Cricket Association, Association League was such a hard, horrible place to go and make a yeah. You've got to be honest. Um, I was just a lot as well. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was just the only change room, to be honest. I was before getting up <laughs> on the pitch. Like, um, no, I think it was just it was just tough cricket. It was really tough cricket. You, you weren't given anything. You weren't given any. You weren't given a run. You weren't given a wicket. You weren't given an inch, to be honest. Um, as a youngster coming through, was a massive eye opener. Um, we were lucky in Batalbot to come through such a a good second team with the likes of Dice Age, Mark Jones, um, Stuart John, those type of characters. So by the time you got into the first, it wasn't such a you know it wasn't such a big difference in terms of characters. But um, you know, I think looking back, I just think every, you know every team we played it was just hard cricket. Every game was a derby. Um, it was obviously localised to a point. Um, but I just think looking, I think the main difference for what I think you just look back, there was stalwarts of the club in, in every team. Yeah. Um, I think you probably look at the league now, and it's made up of a lot of youngsters. Um, if you look back then, you know, I'll, I'll use Bond as an example, really. You know, Gary Arrowsmith now, I wouldn't say he's probably the only stalwart in that team. Yeah. I think if you go back 10 years, when we played in the South Wales Association, there was five Gary Arrows in a team. I don't think I've ever seen a team sheet from a Bond without uh, Gary Arrows name on No, I think you'd have to go back, I don't know, maybe 20 years to maybe see a, probably further than that, to see a team sheet with Gary Arrows. Like your airline? A bit like my airline receipt did. Um, but, you know, a legend there. But I think you go from the other teams, you know, you look at Ammonford, you know, the Alan Evans and uh, Matthew Fishers of this world. There was five, six of them in every team. Um, and the social side of it as well. Um, I think we'd go past the, maybe the playing standard. After the game, there was always a chance to sit down and have a beer. Yeah. As hard as it was on the pitch, which it was, there was always a chance to sit for a couple of hours after the game, have a few beers, have a chat, and then come home. I think that's been lost now. Who's the biggest drinker you think you've ever faced? One of the old lads, we know how we're youngsters, we've got a couple of big drinkers. What, outside, outside the club? Outside the club, yeah. I'm going to go Josh Hughes from Swansea. Also known as Jumbo? Also known as Jumbo. He's an old man, a Swansea legend as well, uh, opening back to Jumbo, but if I'm going to go biggest drinker I faced, I'd play with him, but yeah, definitely Josh Hughes, Jumbo from Swansea. Yeah. Nice, that's a nice one, George. Talking about derbies, obviously we look at Division 2 of the South Wales Cricket Association. You've got Margan, you've got Baglan, uh, Britain Ferry Town and Britain Ferry Steel. So that's four sides within the six-mile radius. And that's exactly what we're talking about in there. You know, you're not travelling that far. There's a bit of needle about it. Um, and there's bragging rights as well. You know, it's, you play two games a year. You want to win them games, especially at Ferry Town and Ferry Steel. That's a massive... It's, not even, not even that far between them is it obviously so it's a massive derby and I think that when you're in derbies it brings the standard up as well oh definitely I think if you know if we're going back to the, the association every week was a derby whether it be Neath and a Segerwin, you know even Ammonford and Bond I know they're, they're further away but it always seemed like a derby um, and this goes back before it was win-lose there was obviously win and losing draws and you got a lot of points for the extra wicket or whatever and that's where I just think the, you know the determination came from the stubbornness yeah. which I think has been lost in in recent years to be honest with playing cricket um, but you were never given an inch you know but again if you're playing local and you're playing people you know every week there was that edge that needle that got you up for the game I think now you know looking at the league especially the Premier League 
not you can't get up to the game, that's the wrong word, but when you're playing the likes of Cardiff and Newport at empty grounds, no one's there, there's no atmosphere, it, you know, it's it, it's not, a, personally, I, I don't enjoy it as much as when it was it was a lot more local. Yeah, do you think, uh, Batol as a club, going back to Batol now we're in the Premier League, do you think, even though they've been successful, it's their own downfall, they're not playing, like you said, about derbies, I remember when the scale were in um, Premier 2, it made us better because obviously there was a bit of needle and you just wanted to be the best side of it all, but didn't you? So, you know, we, um, I think when the scale were, were in Division 2, it was, um, Premier 2, sorry, it was good for us. But we would have liked, I think, seeing the scale come into um, Premier 1. Oh, definitely. No, I wouldn't say it's a downfall. I think, you know, every, every, every club's ambition is to play the highest standard they possibly can. I mean, you know, we spoke to Bagley in the week um, and it was great to hear that their ambition is to play Premier League yeah, at some point. They're in Division 2 at the moment, you know, with obviously I staying there and, and getting promotion to Division 1, but it's, it's great to hear that they have got ambitions like that um, and, uh, you know, are not just happy to to make up the numbers in those leagues. Yeah, that won't be a bad day up with the Evans Bevans. Oh, Evans, Evans Bevans away would be, be lovely on the smash, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I mean, you know, um, especially the Scouts, you mentioned Scout played in Premier League 2. I think they, I think they came within a win from from Premier League 1, if I'm not mistaken. I think Clidder came up ahead of them. You know, that might be wrong, I'm not sure. But I think from our point of view, when we were playing, you know, uh, you know uh, during that season, um, as soon as we knew Scout were doing that well, it did you know, give everyone a kick up the arse. Yeah. To be like, right, you know, we're not, you know, we'd like to think with the the big team in Batalbert. Yeah. But if someone's coming up and on our heels, it's not the case. But I think it did push us on definitely. And and I know over the years, us and Scow have had, you know, a few little differences, yeah. you know, friendly differences, shall we say. Or, or, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. But I'd like nothing more than to have two Batalbert teams, you know, in the perfect world, more. In Division One and having those local derbies, we give we go. I think you're right. They they're quite similar to us, as in they got a good group of old lads, and they that played all the way through the club like we have, and they got a group now around a similar age. We're playing exactly the same as us, and they, you know. It's, so when the old lads were playing each other, there was a bit of needle. Now everyone's the same age and known each other as they grow up, and it's it's good. I think that to have a bit of needle in cricket is good. It's in any sport. Um, so. Moving on now to the South Wales Premier League, which which we're in at the minute. We've been in for ten years, which is very a uh, very uh, good achievement. Um, Josh, you were captain of the club for three years, and you've been in the Premier League for ten years with both Portugal and Swansea. What what's your thoughts on the Premier League? Is it grown? Is it gone stagnant? Is it what what's your thoughts? Oh, I think you know if you're asking has the Premier League been successful? I think. Uh, from Glamorgan's point of view, is put together to you know produce more players for the company. I think if you're solely focusing on that, um, I've had a look, and again, maybe wrong, but from what I can see, there's been 13 players that have been produced in this league. Um, three have been released. I think one's retired, one's left, and the rest are, are still there. Um, now, bear in mind, all of all of the cricketers that have, you know we mentioned there are all fantastic cricketers, yeah, brilliant cricketers who've done really well in the league, and you know will always be far better than I ever will. Um, but I think, from my point of view, I don't think any of them, probably apart from the one that's left, has really kicked on and and, and become an automatic pick across all three formats. Um, I think a few of them are automatic pick, picks for one format, 
but I don't think any of them have kicked on to be a mainstay in all three sides. Now, that's not a problem for the league. I don't think the league should be accountable for not producing uh, the finished article in the player. The league, uh, bottom line is the league have produced players for Glamorgan. Yeah. There's a conveyor belt in it where they are producing players. I think if you've been hypercritical and again are not qualified to you know, make serious opinions and stuff, yeah. this is just my own. Can we just state these are opinions of our own? Um, so obviously, if you want to spray, spray us after a spray us, but obviously we're just saying from our own personal views. Yeah, I just, I, I just think there's got to be question marks on the gap between leaving the Premier League and playing for Glamorgan, first team. Um, whether that is a coaching issue or whether that is a pathway issue, I, I, you know, I'm not too sure. I think from a personal point of view, and I think many players from the league and surrounding leagues will agree, there have been players missed yeah. from the Premier League. Anyone um, to uh, any note? Yeah, I think Steve Linwood. Yeah, uh, you played with Swansea? Yeah, I uh, did play with Swansea, but obviously he played for us again when this one was yes. now. I think another big one, Dan Roberts, Paddy uh, yeah. Lice, yeah. Mumbles, Neville Ammonford. Um, I think them two are, are two massive ones. I think you can even look at Dan Lewis Williams, Rod Evans, yeah. both you know, both of Mumbles. You know, I think they are players that I wouldn't say are any worse than the people at the moment in a minute. Yeah, I think there's two for me, I think. Obviously, he's still playing now, and he scored thousands and thousands of runs last year. Um, Brad Wadler, I know he, he, if I'm right, he's had a couple of county games at other counties. Yeah, I think Brad. Um, again, Brad probably falls in that category of you can't tell me that those players are better than Brad Wadler. Yeah. Um, but I think Brad took himself away to Zimbabwe, played some first-class cricket, came back. Um, I think he had a spell down in Sussex. Um, I might be mistaken, but you know. The, he falls in that category there's players there that I think we're going to miss and that's another question mark on the pathway system how will those players be missed without being given a fair crack of the whip yeah one player one of my favourite players used to watch and I thought well he scored a ton against Glamorgan when he had a 2020 game uh, Lloyd Smith so talking on Lloyd Smith and talking who played for Sully um, Josh you had a good experience with Sully didn't you first game in the Premier League 10 years ago cracking experience yeah Brilliant experience. It was two for a lot. I think he was just under the hundred mark off twelve overs, so it was Good a bit like uh, only way is better. Can... Oh, as we mentioned on this podcast before. No. Only way is up, man. The only way is up, man. But uh, no, I think well, the point you're trying to make is when the, the Premier uh, Premier League came in, um, it was obviously formed to um, bring the standard up. And I think that first season Sully did that. Um, I think when they turned up in our first game, they all shared a minibus. Uh, you know, their kit was on the back of a trailer. They came in with Lucasades, Powerades, you know, fresh fruit, proper warm up, couple of coaches, and you know, we got on at that first game, and we thought, you know, is every game going to be like this? Is this what Premier League cricket is? Um, and I think Sully did a superb job in doing that. They obviously saw the vision of not going from club cricket to a semi-professional league, yeah. which it has turned into. But I think Sully took that bat and really run with it. Yeah. Um, and I think what that created was all the surrounding teams actually thought, you know, shit, if we want to stay in this league, we've got to try to get close to them. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. And I think their attitude is correct because we say uh, this is, the reason why the Glamorgan Academy players are playing in it, this is the best league outside of professional cricket. It's like the Welsh Premiership with rugby, it's like the Welsh Premier with football. 
this is the best out there. You know, we can't, there's a lot of money getting thrown around. Um, so you have to come with a type of professional attitude, otherwise you're going to struggle. Um, looking at it now, uh, trying to freshen up, is there any uh, changes you would make if you were chairman of South Wales Premier League and they want Josh, there you are, you do what you want to do. Except for strippers at, at half-time. Can't, <laughs> can't have strippers half-time. I think, uh, oh, from a personal point of view, I think going back to what we mentioned about COVID, about the positives coming from it, I think the new format, I think there's there's legs in it. Um, oh, you said the 40-over game, so yeah. Uh, not just the 40-over game, but I think splitting it into a West and East. Yeah. Um, so would you have the 10 West from 1 and 2 and the 10... East from one and two play each other. Yeah, so what I'd love to see would be not a Prem one, Prem two. I'd like to see a Prem West, Prem East, yeah. and then have a two week block in September where you play a semi final and final yeah. in the top two clubs from each. Um, I just think it makes it more accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, don't be wrong. Travelling to the first couple of years, travelling to the new grounds was an holiday. Yeah. Um, you know, playing for the tolerable, you don't get to play Cardiff and Newport very often unless you get into the latest stage of the Welsh Cup. But I think what we have found over the last uh, couple of years in particular is the accessibility for everyone is hard. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a lot of, you know, let's be real about this, it's hard for cricket. And you yeah. get boys coming off work on a Saturday morning. Um, and you do lose a lot of availability through the season when, you know, games are far away as Newport. Which is now, uh, I know it's not the end of the world, but, you know, cricket's not like football rugby where you're out the house for a couple of hours on the pitch and then home. Yeah. You know, this is a uh, league house at nine, start at 12, and you get home until. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock if you play in Newport. Yeah. Um, um, I'd like to see uh, East's faces as they were coming down near Mortway and coming into Ptol, but and yeah. I'm thinking, what, what have we turned up to? And then we got a pretty decent ground, so I'd well, like to see no surprise who we're after. You know, I think at the moment, I think the West clubs are probably, have played East club not in terms of title wins. I think it's always been, apart from Manford and Mumbles and Pregend, I think. Yeah. Couldn't probably class but I think Pregend were in the East Leagues when they weren't in with Yeah, but I think the makeup of the league has been, you know, dominated by West. Yeah. Um, Do you think that if we went to West and East, it would give clubs in Division 1, such as a Scow and Baglan or Margaret if they come up? Do you think it would be more uh, incentive to get in the league because they're not travelling to Newport, Cardiff, etc., etc.? Oh, definitely. I think I think it probably makes it a lot more realistic as well. And that's no disrespect in terms of players or standard. I think I mean realistic in terms of you know, same as us getting get into sides out every Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, when, tough. it's really really tough. I think when our second team were in that East League. You know, we were scrambling for a second team most weeks. Yeah, um, we did you know, win the league, by the way. Just did win the league, but I think five of those games away were all in Newport. Yeah, um, and I just think if it went to East for East and West leagues, I think it would make the leagues a lot more accessible for the teams in the South Wales Cricket Association. Um, you don't have to think about the expense of travelling to places. No. Um, you go back to local derbies. You go back to more people staying at the bar, staying yeah. in the club after the game, or more more revenue for the clubs. I think that can only be a positive. That's not just from a West point of view. I think it can only be more positive for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that could be a real runner because see how it is. I I try that and see how we go. Um, what else? Anything about uh, anything else? I think you know on that flip side. I think what we found playing the Premier League and comparing to the Southern Cup Association is the hospitality. From a Westies point of view, oh yeah, I think when you go east, I think it's lacking. I don't think that that's not down to the personnel. No, I think that's just more culture. 
I think from a West point of view, and you know, I, I can't comment on rugby or football forty probably better um, better prepared to comment on that. But I think the hospitality down West is a lot more. There's a bigger welcome, there's a lot more following. You know, I think when we play home, when we play at Ness, we play Bond, we play Armenford, there's always a big crowd. It's always been a needle, it's always good fun. Yeah. It's a lot more fun than going away and putting an empty ground down east. Yeah, hundred percent. Um you know, I've been up watching a couple of games and you, you look to see if the bar's open and they they, they say, oh, we'll, we'll open as a can bar. And it's like, Jesus, there's about 20, 30 people there and in the boy lot certain. And, you know, from Batalba, people like a beer. And we can't even have a beer. And then after the games then, you're sitting there and we've had a good win, so you'll have a beer. And half side's gone from them. I tell you one place that does good hospitality is... Passing Fagans, you know, they give us, yeah. especially when we, we won up there to stay up, they, they give well, us they a couple of us up a couple years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give St. Fagans a bit of a tap on the back. Um, anything, I know uh, a couple of years ago, you were the only said about, I think Bagra, Margan, the fairy sides, and Scout couldn't have an opinion on this. Um, overseas players. I, I've got views on this. I think uh, I think overseas players should replace Glamorgan pros. Um, and purely on, I, I, I put myself in the shoes of, of a Glamorgan pro, I'll be honest. If I was out of form for whatever reason, the last thing I'd want to do would be go and play club cricket. Um, imagine, imagine being out of form and then going after to face Callum Bynum. Yeah, imagine getting it. nicked off by Callum Byron yeah, and a bad runner form. No, no, but I think you know. I think you get a mixture. I think a lot of them, you know, the majority of them are very good. They come, they give their time in the club. They're you know, great laugh in the change room and things like that. But you know, from personal point of view, I could, yeah, I could completely understand if if they didn't want to come yeah. play. To be honest, but I think with an overseas player, I think at the moment with the Morgan pros because some get allocated and some don't. I think there's always an argument sometimes that it dictates the league. Um, you know, I think if you turn up and the other team go to Morgan Pro, Pro so we're like, oh, you know, not that it's an excuse, but it, it is always used if you lose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you win, it's a great win, you sort of forget about it. But I think in overseas, and I think it would be every club gets the option, they can have one or they don't have to. But then if you play and, you know, your club decided not to have an overseas, there's absolutely no argument. There. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also think it's a dimension. The club is an extra coach, it's an extra hands on the ground staff, it's an extra pair of hands behind the bar. You put them up for a summer, and I, I, I think it would um, increase the standard as well. You get some good stories from it as well. Like I know the Puff Carl story. You know more than me about Nixon McLean. Is it a good? There's a good story behind that one with Puff Carl. Yeah, I think years ago um, when the overseas were available, uh, Puff Carl. Um, applied to have a West Indian and the West Indies Cricket Board sent two names back to both calls saying you can either have a quick bowler called Nixon McLean or we've got a, a pretty good young left hand batter called Brian Charles Lara um, and both call went for Nixon McLean <laughs> who, who went on to bounce Dysage's head off at Mind, Lane. Mind you, I think if I was Brian Lara and I was playing in Locks Lane every other week in the wind I would have probably retired from cricket so fair play, thanks both call for saving us and what Lena, one of the greats play because I wouldn't be playing cricket after playing down Locks Lane in the wind and I think uh, me. I, th- I think the letter from the West Indies goes still framed in Porth Coast Clubhouse, but it just goes to show, doesn't it? If you've gone overseas, you could have the next Brian Lara. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and I think that can only improve clubs and and raise the standard. I'm all for it. I think I, I think it's got to be, you know with the introduction of coloured kit. I think the next logical step for this league is 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 to bring in overseas players. Yeah, and I I agree. Um, a great story about uh, a young David Sage facing Nixon McLean going out there. Uh, with about five towels around him trying to have padding. I think he did. He does remind us he did it. Nixon McLean for six as well. So um, that's one for Sagey. And uh, yeah, I agree. Overseas players, they, they give you a different culture. They give you a different um, mindset on cricket. Um, and like you said, it's not an excuse if, if you don't have one, you don't have one. But it'd be interesting to see other clubs' views now if they wanted the overseas players. Um, just going back to obviously Sally. Uh, started the standard of the league and dropped the standard but after three or four years they kind of washed away and left the league because of financial uh, worries um, and that just proves you can't build foundations on sand um, you'll have success to start but you've got to try and keep producing so do you think um, I know Bagland have had a junior section Margaret have had a junior section at the time Skelwav and Talbot I've done here, do you think it's vitally important for a Premier League side, Division 1, Division 2, Division 3 and go on, they have to have a decent junior level and a good certainty? I think, you know, as you just said there, it doesn't have to just be a Premier League thing, I think, and not just a cricket thing. I yeah. think it goes across all the sports. I think Sully using an example, um, but funny enough, you know, we before this podcast, we were talking to the club with another, you know, uh, more members of the club saying how, how Sully dominated those early years. When we actually look back at the records, they won that first uh, first year of the Premier League, um, and won, you know they went on to win three T20s. But we, I think, had the mindset they won the first three years or something. Yeah. I think that purely come down to how professionally they were in that first season. Yeah. Um, you know, it helped that they had players like Alex Wolf, Mike Powell playing week in week out. But you know, you use the tools you got. Do you know I mean? But I think you're spot on. Success can't be maintained without a good foundation, and I think a good foundation starts from from your first team, a good second team, a third team every week, and then it goes into your junior set, uh, you know, your junior sections. I think we've been quite lucky at Batolba over, well, you know, since I can remember the history of the club, but we've always had a thriving junior section. We've always had teams out of every age group. Um, you know, we've got a good catchment area, but you know, the good work was starting a rod, spin ray. Um, and in particular mentions the Dice Age and Zuku yeah, brought a, you know brought on so many players over the last fifteen years and, and beyond. But I think if you look at our first team, our second team, I'd say you know eighty percent of the the makeup of our senior teams are brought through by those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's why we've been able to say that I think I think I'm right in saying, I might be wrong, but I think I'm right in saying we're the only West team to have played in all ten seasons of the Premier of the Premier League. Yeah. I think. Yeah, if you, if we're wrong, tweet us, but I think that's right. I, I think that's right, but I think that's purely come from we've always had a good core group of local boys. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even now we're putting out at least eight local boys a week out of the eleven. Um and I think that's it. I think the only thing missing from us at the minute is we've not gone on to actually win the league. Yeah. Um, we've been there. We've won three T20s as well. We've won the League Cup. We, you know, we had a good run in the Welsh Cup semi-final at one point. That's another area you know, we'd probably be hypercritical. But I think it only goes to show if you've got a good foundation, a good base to work from, you'll always be there. I mean, if you want to call it a conveyor belt of players... Well, then you know, I think England uses a lot, and they yeah, what you know, who's the next cab off the rank sort of thing. 
I think we have all, always got her there. Um, and may that, you know, may that continue. At the moment then, you know, the work being done by Batalbot is tremendous in um, stuff that's, you know, the work that's been done by Mark Cox in particular, um, you know, will hopefully keep that conveyor belt coming, keep producing players for the future. So, you know, so people like myself and you don't have to play until we're 50 odd. Yeah, my um, shoulder's falling off already, so yeah. I'm looking to retire soon. But, you know, as we've said, that is, is so important for clubs. And, you know, I, I'd encourage anyone, not just to go to the Talbot, but, you know, access your local club, get in contact with, you know, Bagland, Margham, the two ferry sides, you know, get the time to train and get your kids down there. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about, this was being a great cricketer either. It's a, it's a brilliant place to meet friends, for them to grow up. Um, you know, it didn't it didn't do us too badly for it. I know, you know, well, some people may disagree yeah. with that, but uh, no, I don't think it did us any harm. No, absolutely not. And sport is a massive thing. And it, I think in Batalba especially, it's because it's a local podcast, I think friendship in sport has been huge. Um, and in Batalba, there's not like the friends, the rugby are friends with the cricket, the football are friends with the um tennis and etc etc anyone does well out of this um, out of this town everyone supported above them and that's I can only reiterate that get kids down there to the local clubs wherever club it is um, just to socialise more than anything yeah after this podcast I think on our social media uh, channels we'll be putting out um, you know the Twitter handles maybe contact details of all the local clubs and junior sections in the area so if there's any parents listening or any kids that have Decide listen to this and, f- and fancy a go of cricket, then contact you know your nearest club and, and get involved. Awesome. Any so instalment which we'll have every week is called Sporting Memory of the Week. Um, we're going to try and keep it as local as possible, but if it's not local, we're going to go obviously to a professional thing. So, Josh, what's your uh, Sporting Memory of the Week? Uh, Sport Memory of the Week as this cricket themed. We'll try to keep it on theme every week, but. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to go down the road of a, a memory that I think. Oh, that was brilliant for cricket. I'm going back to one of my earliest memories of senior cricket and and what got me loving the game. To be honest, um, I'll take you back to Cowbridge. Cowbridge away, <laughs> second team game. <laughs> yeah, um, I know what's coming. I think oh, we were batting second. I can't, I can't. I can't remember exactly how much Cowbridge got, but we were batting second, and uh, captain Dyson was out in the middle. And in his second team cricket, obviously, you know, umpire amongst yourselves, um, so you don't get designated umpires and things like that. But I remember Dye Sage absolutely middling one to cover. <laughs> probably shot the day for Dye, and usually he's crabbing across his crease. So for Dye to play a cover drive was, was special, to be honest. But he absolutely middled it to cover and just stood up. Literally just stood there, and I think a young beefy was umpiring, <laughs> and Sage he glared at him. <laughs> you, you dare give me out, and uh, it was not out. There was absolute ructions on the pitch. Boys flying in, ah, oh, you fucking cheating bastard! Everything, you know, Sage he just stood there, took it. I think next over, one of their one of their boys were umpiring, and I think I think it just hit Sage. He just give him out LBW walking off. So again, <laughs> hit him on the gut, did it? Hit, hit him on the drum. <laughs> And then he was given out. And yeah, I remember after the game, I was only, I must have only been about 13 at the time. So I was sat there, you know, round, chubby, getting stuck into probably my fourth can of Coke and ate a pack of wine gums with it. Um, and then Mark Jones, who's currently you know, the club's chairman, was driving, said he was in the front seat, I was in the back, answered a word all day, just happy to be there. And uh, Sage was like, Jonah, Jonah, 
slow up there, slow up. So as you're driving up to Cowbridge, it's a long drive. So all the Cowbridge boys who are on a beer say, Jonas, stop, 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 stop. I was like, what's the matter though? Sadie's undoing the window, <laughs> puts his head out. Oh, I did fucking hit it. <laughs> and then fucking done the window up and was like, Jonah, be, be put down, be put down. But uh, no, that's one of my favourite sporting memories. I think everyone down the club can yeah. enjoy me and saying that's probably a special one. There's, there's many more involved in Dye. Well, that's, uh, uh, I think we're going to have to have a Dice Age special, not just cricket for Batalbert, but for Scow and uh, an Amazon football legend all day. He's, he's a dart legend these days, uh, young David is. Um, my sporting memory, I'm trying to... That, this, I, think I just had a sip of this Barry Island IPA and it's not getting any better. Oh, still dreadful. Uh, um, my sporting memory is cricket related again. It's watching, it's our first... Um, it's Talbot Town's first 2020 win uh, in a leg. Um Not playing, watching, but we took a good crowd. It was about a crowd of 50 of us up there. And for me, we've won three, but this was the most important because we were probably underdogs. Um, we were playing Newport first uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning. So you can imagine we'd all turned up on the bus at 10 o'clock in the morning. We were, we were well on our way to having a few beers. We beat them. And then we played Mumbles and the Mumbles were top of league uh, champions elect. Uh, we only got 120 to to help of my man. Look, I'm looking at right now. 40 of 26 balls, whacking it into the into the uh, stand. Um, 120 is not really a big score in 2020, but we bowled them out for 90 odd, I think, in the end. And it was such a great day uh, for fans and the players. Um, but the night out for me uh, made it. I think I got home about half a six uh, in the morning when there was sunlight and um, we'd been going until about nine before. And one of the favourite stories is that um, we were in a kebab shop. I won't mention what kebab shop. And uh, a young young woman come in. She was a bit, uh, bit mouthy. So she's having to go to the kebab shop owner and she came in with a, ca- a carry bag of six cans. And by the time she went back to her carry bag, it was a carry bag with an empty um, empty Ringo thing. All the cans had been taken by the boys and she didn't know what was going on. So that was probably my favourite memory of that night. Um, it was just an awesome day for the club. And then in the night, was, that's why it's one of my favourite sport memories. Um, but for the rest, the antics, less said the better. Yeah, I think definitely... Everything else that happened, let's just leave it at. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. No, but I think, you know, that's the aim, I think, at the end of these, these podcasts, you know, I hope me and Ford haven't talked t- too much shit over the last, however long it's been. 40-odd minutes, 40 I 40-odd minutes, but, um, you know, we want to keep it light-hearted, but obviously that middle section, we do want to get into a good discussion about a number of topics and, and just put our opinions across, really. I think in future podcasts, which Ford will go into just before we, well, we probably wrap up, you know, we're looking to cover all sports, hopefully have a few people on um, and have some really good discussions. Trying to finish off every week with a sporting memory, which um, we'll probably ask our guests going forward. But, yeah. you know, I think there's always that saying, I think the old man says it on a club forward, but, you know, football football wasn't invented when the Premier League was invented. Yeah, so, uh, we're all sky babies. We're all sky babies yeah. uh, compared to a lot of, you know, a lot of the old lads hopefully listening, but... Yeah. That's something we want to include as well. We want we don't just want memories from the last 10, 15 years. We want to go back as far as we can. Um, and if anybody's listening who's got some good stories, whether it's funny stories or sport achievement stories, 
email them in, send them in. Let's get it on. Let's get chatting about it. Let's, um, you know, let's, you know, let's start reliving the good, uh, the good old days of the sport. Lovely, yeah. So we're just going to wrap it up now. Like Josh said, I hope we haven't bored you. Um, we went with cricket first off because this is a bit of a like a test run for us. So from next week, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we got two special guests lined up for the next one. And if you're from Batol, but it'd be amazed if you didn't know them. Um, we're obviously going to have a lot of sporting legends from Batol, but coming in and really interesting stories. Thank you for all the feedback on Twitter from the suggestions of who to have on and what content to follow. Um, if you have anything you want to speak to us about, again, the Twitter and Instagram handles are at pttspod and the email is pttspod at gmail.com. Uh, you've been listening to the PTTS podcast and catch you next week. Stay safe. Have a good weekend, everyone. Catch you soon. Ta-da.